We are about to interview Jackie Pullinger. Jackie Pullinger is a total hero of ours. When I first encountered Jesus, one of the first books I read was this book, Chasing the Dragon. And I can't believe that now it's got, my, this edition has now got my endorsement, truly inspiring, wonderful book, Nikki Gumbel. One of the greatest honors of my life is to appear on the front cover of Jackie Pullinger's <laughs> book, Chasing the Dragon, One Woman's Struggle Against the Darkness of Hong Kong's Drug Dens. This is an absolute must read. If you've not read this book, I cannot re recommend it more highly. We're gonna hear little snippets from her story, uh, but of course, a much fuller version is in this book. This remarkable woman who at the age of 22, as a music st student, went to Hong Kong by herself and spent much of her life in one of the darkest places, the walled city left out of the Hong Kong, the, the treaty between uh, China and Britain, uh, a place where there were, there were effectively no laws. And she lived there, she worked amongst the triad gangs, the drug dealers, the sex workers, and she had such an impact that when the walled city was taken down, they put up a plaque to recognize the work of Jackie Pullinger. The Queen also recognized her work by giving her the MBE. Uh, and the work, the work that she started all those years ago, over 50 years ago now, has grown. There's now a huge uh, campus of homes um, and where there are men, women, young people whose lives are totally transformed, coming off drugs miraculously, being healed, being set free, lives transformed. And uh, we are delighted that we now have this opportunity to spend some time with her and hear a bit more of her story. Go to them, go as far as you can, loving the Lord your God and your neighbor. That's what the whole thing's about. If we don't, then we get hard-hearted and we get so, we get used to the poor. And that's when we start to think the government or the church or someone ought to, you know, we start speaking in those terms when actually if the Lord has shown us anyone ever in need, anywhere at any time, we're supposed to do something ourselves. There's a wistfulness in us that hopes, hopes this isn't all, hopes there's someone better. And Jesus said, I did come to bring you to a good father. So he will bring you to a good father as Father God. Jackie, you got me crying already. I don't know why. The moment you came on, I yeah. saw, I just so uh, just moved to see you. Yes. We, so happy to see you. We are so grateful to you for doing this. And you Thank don't realise what an impact you've had on our family and um, everybody, our lives. Nicky's got his hanky out. He's getting very emotional in his old age. And um, uh, you, yes, um, we just, we admire you so much. You don't realise how much we admire you. Well, Jackie, will you tell us a bit what the Wall City was like when you first arrived and how you ended up in it? Looking back at it, it seems, you know, terribly brave and adventurous, but it, it, it wasn't because uh, whatever God's got for you is right for you. So it would be foolhardy for somebody else to do what I did. 
But that was, it didn't seem difficult to me. Not at all. It was quite fun. Um, yeah. So I didn't know there was a city, but it just looked like uh, a big tenement building. And then uh, I squeezed in between two build buildings. It's about two or three feet wide down a dark lane. And in those days, there was no light. Mm. Um, and found, it was a bit like being in a, in a, in a rabbit hole go down somewhere and then the whole place is a warren but no rabbits lots of um rats hmm. in 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 its um most uh, congested time there are about a hundred thousand people in about um five or six acres so uh it, it's just the same as any uh, squatter area anywhere in the world except this one went up Later on, I learned that, that because it was outside the law, this was also the place where um, people could do illegal things. And the gangs, uh, there were two main triads there who controlled the opium dens, the heroin dens, the gambling dens, um, and the girls who were um, often sold. And the need must have looked huge. What did you do? How did you even begin to work? I, I went in with a missionary and she asked if I wanted to teach at her school. I already had a, another teaching job, but I started to do that. Um, and the kids brought me in or out. So I learned the way. And because I was with the children, all the gangsters that were running the different dens and the there were some ordinary residents of, uh, as well but they saw me with the children and they all wanted their children to have a better life mm. so they they were kind to me because I was with the children um, so I learned the ways and then I began to see the needs um, and I can remember walking the streets um, and the, there was just outside there was a whole street full of drug addicts um, and because it was outside the street was a bit wider and they'd just been to the large drug dens which were like in tents uh, tin tents and they they were sitting there with their uh, leaning against the squatter huts with their legs out so you had to walk over the legs and I can remember saying to the Lord, um, it, if you could use me to save just one, mm. it would be worth my whole life. Mm. And by the way, I don't mind knowing which one. After a little bit, I, I, I helped to teach in that in a missionary's little school. Um, I, I started a youth club um, just to get to know uh, the teenagers, because uh, there was one particular one who was expelled from the, the missionary school. Uh, in, he was in primary primary school, and he was expelled. And uh, I saw him selling tickets at the, at the Blue Film Theatre, um, where, they, where they had live sex shows with, 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 with the teenage girls that had been cheated or sold or whatever. Mm. And uh, 
he was selling tickets. Um, and I thought this poor boy's life is over before it started. Mm. Uh, so I, I wanted to have a place where people like him could come um, and not necessarily um, force them to believe in Jesus, but have someone neutral so you can come and play ping pong and, and at least have breath to make a choice. Uh, because for him, there was no choice. He was out of school and into a blue film theater. That was it. And I wanted them to have a choice. So, so that's how I started the youth club. One day, um, the whole place got um, beat up. And one of, the, uh, one of the little triads, he called me and he said, um, oh, you've got to come. They've beaten up the place. Found the whole place with sewage on the walls and the chairs were broken. My little room, I mean, it was very little, only big enough for ping pong table, really, uh, and darts. Um, and I found out that it was the, the people I'd spent most time with who'd done it, um, which is how crowds work. And so uh, I, I spent the day um, weeping and sweeping. I thought of two scriptures. And one is, if somebody hits you on one cheek, you should offer the other, which, which is not smart. Uh, and the other is when everything goes wrong, you should praise the Lord, which doesn't seem sensible either. So anyway, I did sweep and weep. and. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And then this stranger appeared at the door. And, um, and he said, uh, you got any problems? And I said, no, I'm fine. Thank you very much. Who are you? And he said, Coco sent me. Coco is the name of the um, triad boss. Uh, he said, Coco says, if anybody touches you, or touches this place, we're going to do them. And I said, that's really kind of you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, would you please tell Coco I'm very appreciative that I refuse his offer. And, um, but I got his protection anyway, because he was under orders. So every time I went in or out of Wall City, he followed me. And I used to tell him about Jesus, which he didn't want to hear at all. Of course, he was a drug addict, and I knew, but he didn't know I knew. After a few weeks, he came in, and he started to praise God and sang the only song he knew, because I used to sing it at my meetings. Um, in my meetings, only, only four of us were ever there. That was me and the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, you know. Uh, but <laughs> everybody else used to go out for a smoke, and... Um, but he'd heard this, so he began to sing the only song he'd ever heard, which is Give Me Oil in My Lamp to Keep Me Burning, which is pretty good for an opium addict. And um, he came in and he sang it and he started to pray and he'd never heard anyone pray, just asking Jesus help. And then he began to pray in tongues and he did this for about half an hour and uh, he was off drugs. That was it. So, I mean, physically. I, did, I thought that was the end of the story. But um, then after that, all his friends started to knock on my door. I was living just outside Wall City at that time and said, uh, well, 
if Jesus can save that man, then I'll believe in Jesus and I'll live in your house. Then my house filled up and that was sort of the beginning of uh, a lot. And Jackie, what happened to all these former tribe gang leaders and drug addicts? How, how did they come off their drugs? And Well, he was, he was um, sovereign. I mean, like that just happened. And the next one also uh, just happened. And I thought that was the end of the story. And then when his friends came, the same thing happened, except this time we made sure it happened. We said, will you believe in Jesus? Yes. They didn't know anything. They just said yes, because their friend had changed. So uh, will you believe he died on the cross for your sins? Yes. Good. Uh, will you believe he rose again? Yes, I've just met him. Good. Right now he'll give you a new prayer language. Would you like to follow him forever? Yes. And then they, and then we'd make sure they pray in tongues and we had somebody with them every single minute for um, 72 hours. Nowadays we do someone with them every moment for 10 days, which is a lot of people. Yeah. Um, and they could all get off drugs without pain. Uh, just, just like the first two. Um, so it was just like the miracle happened at the beginning. And then after that, we, we had to apply it um, and, and make sure we, we worked through it with them. Um, but that again, 10 days, that's the easy bit, praying somebody physically off drugs. Then there's the, uh, all dealing with all the stuff and all the junk and all the fear and all everything else that's down there, which um, I didn't understand at all. It was a, it was a mutual learning time uh, and until I began to see that deep, deep, deep down inside each one of us, what we think of ourselves, what we fear, um, what we hunger for, all of those things um, the Lord indeed knows and does want to address. And Jackie, for anyone who's listening to this, who maybe has never even heard of what the gift of tongues is, why, just explain why, what that is and, and why that was so significant. When the, the first disciples uh, were praying after Jesus ascended to heaven. He said, wait for the gift of the Holy Spirit, um, and I will give you power to be witnesses. And so they began to pray uh, for whatever that this power of the Holy Spirit to be witnesses was. And then um, on the day of Pentecost, which was uh, 10 days later, the Holy Spirit came and they began to praise God in languages they hadn't learned. And a whole crowd gathered and Peter said, what you see, because uh, there are also tongues of fire on the head, and what you hear, which was speaking in tongues and, and a wind, this is what uh, the Lord promised. And you too can receive the gift of the Holy Spirit if you repent. So that was when uh, 3,000 people came to Jesus. Um, so this was one of the early signs. It's not the sign, but this was one of the early signs of receiving the power to make Jesus known. Mm. So we have the, when we believe we have the Holy Spirit living in us, when we receive the power of the Holy Spirit, he gives us power gifts to help other people um, when we meet together and the gift of tongues to help us when we talk to him. Mm. So um, every believer can, um, if 
especially if he's around people that believe he can. And um, it, it's like a baby. Uh, when a baby's born, it hasn't yet learned English. So it doesn't know how to say, I'm hungry, or pick me up, or my head's stuck in the, in, in, in the bars. Uh, it just, yeah! And mother knows. She says, oh, he's hungry. Or he wants to be picked up. So the cry is God's gift to the child who knows exactly what he wants to say. He just hasn't learned to say it. Hmm. So that's what the gift of tongues is. It's to help us say exactly what we know we, we want to say, but we don't know how to say it. And you use the gift yourself, don't you, uh, uh, regularly? And say why that makes a difference and what you found when you started praying like that. The difference, I think, is that for me, um, is that you don't know how to pray all the time. I'm, I'm not a very good prayer. So uh, it, it, the scripture says that the spirit helps us in your weakness. So um, what, how I started was like this. Um, Lord, I don't know how to pray very well. Will you help me? And the, the very first one was when a, a, a friend I was praying with um, understood my prayer and interpreted it. And I thought, oh, I wish I could pray like that. And, and oh, wait a minute, I did. Um, so uh, I, I used to do it like this. I used to say, um, dear Lord, there are all these people who are dying, uh, dying before they've lived. Would you please help me to speak to the ones you've got ready? Now, before that, I prayed a different way. I would say, uh, I want to speak to our Ping, please bless me. I want to speak to our Ming, please bless me. So it was my idea and his blessing. But this way around, I said, would you lead me to the people you've got ready? Um, and again, and by the way, I don't need to know who they are uh, or 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 even if, if anything ever happens, but just help me to pray for them. So it was a different way around. It was praying his idea, not mine. Mm -hmm. And that was when I started to bump into people all the time who just responded to Jesus. And I, you know, first of all, I thought, oh, my Chinese has got so good, you know, because I'd say, would you like to believe in Jesus? And they'd fall on their knees in the street. You know, I thought, oh, this is amazing. But in fact, I was saying the same things I said before, but this time um, I was saying to the, to the right people, they were just ready to believe. And that's, of course, what evangelism is. Mm. It's, he does the whole thing. Mm. You know, he uses you and he gets them ready, and, but you didn't do it, but you were in it. Uh, Jackie, uh, uh, Chasing the Dragon. Um, everyone should read um, uh, the most inspiring book that uh, certainly I think was one of the first books I read when when I first encountered Jesus and um, uh, never without a copy. Um, but then also you did this later, there's this one, a crack in the wall. And in this, you talk about vision. And I know vision is a funny word and it can be sort of, but you talk about the vision that you had for the walled city. When you arrived there, you had a vision. And just talk about what that vision, what you saw. What you saw. Okay. Um, first of all, vision is what the Lord shows you. Vision is something you've seen. Um, 
And when you've seen it, you don't need to make it happen. So all the stress is off. You haven't got to have the biggest church or anything. You haven't got to do anything. You just need to see it. Because if the Lord shows you it, he will do it. Um, and that lays the stress off you. It also lays the stress off the people that you're trying to help because they haven't got to respond in order to make you look good. So I saw another city. It was like the Hebrews chapter. I saw a city filled with life. I saw drug addicts with no needle marks. I saw old lady prostitutes with their heads lifted in a home starting life. Uh, anew, I saw children uh, playing in the streets. In those days, they were locked in. Um, I saw old men uh, who weren't very good gangsters. They, they just, with their heads lifted, I'm known and I'm loved and I am special. And I, I saw all that, so I saw another city. I just didn't know how to make it happen. And in fact, you don't have to make it happen. You just need to see it. And uh, of course I have seen it. First of all, um, I saw uh, when they pulled the wall city down, which they did in, in the 90s, um, they built the most beautiful garden, uh, which, is, which is like everything I saw. Um, and the other is uh, the, the place where Johnny came to stay with us, um, which is, uh, we've got a swimming pool, we've got a football field, we've got a tennis court, we've got a climbing wall, we've got uh, a paddling pool for kids, we've got homes for teenagers, we've got everything that I wanted the people in the World City to have. And so I call it um, seeing twice or seeing three times. Once I saw in the spirit. And if you see in the spirit, God will do it. Maybe not in your lifetime, but he will do it. But I actually saw it also happen uh, literally in the world city. Um, uh, Jackie, you're typically understated, but when the, when, when the wall city was taken down, the, the Hong Kong government put up where it had been, there's a plaque, isn't there, which says Jackie Pullinger, MBE, the Queen gave you an MBE for what you've done. And they recognize the impact. Well, I didn't know they'd done it. Out. I'm so moved by Jackie. <laughs> they actually, <laughs> not, not a very pretty rock, really. Uh, <laughs> but they recognized the impact that you had had, your, that you had had on the Wall City, and they put up a. a well, someone, someone did. Someone yeah. did. I, I, anyway, I rather have a, I rather have a, a, a reward up there. <laughs> <laughs> you'll, you'll get one, Jackie. Don't There's worry no about doubt that. about that. Yes, you will definitely get oh, that. Oh dear, I just find the whole thing so moving, Jackie. It's something Johnny said. He loved the simplicity of life in Hong Kong um, with you, uh, that it was so simple that you you feed the poor and you tell people about Jesus. And that's what you've been doing for over 50 years. And you're still doing that. Uh, one of the ways in which you're like Jesus is you, you comfort the disturbed and you disturb the comfortable. Oh, oh what a good phrase. <laughs> <laughs>
yes, I don't intentionally provoke, but there is something in me that does stir. I know. <laughs> well, we've seen you. We've seen you doing both, Jackie. We've seen you uh, comforting the, the the stir, which is very moving. Um, just watching you minister, praying with um, people is so moving. Yes. But also, we we've we've heard you challenging the rest important. of us. This is equally important. The parable of the Good Samaritan is. I I, I know you you, I, seeing you talking to the addicts and you you always talk about from Jesus's words, mm. and uh, and the parable of the Good Samaritan I know is something that something that you often speak about. Yeah. Um, that for, first of all, if you look at that parable, um, there was a priest and there was a Levite who saw the man who'd been waylaid and, and uh, beaten up, uh, but they passed on. So the important thing is when we see to understand um, that the Lord has shown us someone and we can see every day, we can walk, walk around and actually see someone. This is what Africans often greet you with, I see you. Mm -hmm. um, so the Samaritan saw him and then he went to him and then he had compassion on him. And then he bandaged his wounds with his own oil and his uh, wine. And then he put him on his donkey, not the church donkey. Then he uh, took him to the edge of the town and he didn't drop them off at the, ho at the homeless hostel. He, he, he put him with him in, in an inn and paid for him. And when he left, I often think he was a commercial traveler. Uh, he planned to come back to him and, and pay for him. And, my, my journey with the lost has been like that. Um, one step has led to another step, has led to another step. And, and I often say to people, you, you, you don't have to do the whole thing with everyone. Mm -hmm. You haven't got to see them and do the whole thing, and, but go as far as you can. Mm -hmm. um, that's it. And at least after seeing them, you must do one more thing. Mm -hmm. Go to them somehow, whether it's just you, you pray, pray a quick prayer um, and, and, and that might be all you can do. Um, but first of all, cannot pass by. Secondly, must go, because if we don't, then we get hard-hearted mm. and we get so, we get used to the poor. And then people, there are so many, what can we do? And that's when we start to think the government or the church or someone ought to, you know, we start speaking in those terms when actually if the Lord has shown us anyone ever in need, anywhere at any time, we're supposed to do something ourselves. Mm. So the gospel's terribly simple. It's... Uh, loving the Lord your God and your neighbor. That's what the whole thing's about. And we've tried to improve on it by sophisticated gospel preaching when it's terribly simple. 
But people are struggling. I mean, you see it perhaps obviously in Hong Kong, but I mean, people are struggling everywhere. And perhaps now in since the pandemic, there's a lot of people who are struggling a lot with all sorts of things. I mean, I think the world is being shaken. What do you feel is going on and how do we pray into all that? We've Our teams have gone out. Um, we, we called it the five to work out with five loaves and two fishes. Um, and we, we've uh, distributed tens of thousands of masks, uh, five pounds or five kilos of rice at a time, walking up eight floors of stairs to find uh, what's called a subdivided apartment. And we've knocked on the door. Previously, nobody would answer the door because one person's apartment has been chopped up into five or six. So nobody will answer the front door. Um, but now they will, and we've prayed and we get words of knowledge and prophecies um, and say, Lord, show us where the people are hungry because the very poorest people don't have credit cards. They can't order food online. So when they're locked down, they're locked down. They haven't got computers. So we found them and it's just been like a, a connection of we've got good news and you're waiting to hear it. Um, and we have to tell our teams, you, they don't have to believe in Jesus. They don't have to believe, just give them the food. But they, but they usually say, can we pray for you? And nearly everybody will say yes. And in that way, people have got healed. And the people who are doing that are, are men and women and teenagers who've come off drugs. And I, I suppose that the nicest thing that's happened for us, and I've been waiting for it for years and years, is that we've got a bunch of what I call rich people um, who are Christians, who happen to be part of us now, that we haven't had this before. And they partner with our ex-drug addicts to, to go out in the teams. And this has gone on every day. We've had, uh, in the last uh, year, over a hundred families have come to know Jesus. And this is when, even when we've said, they haven't got to come to Jesus, you know, that's, the point is that we go with good news, not that we count up, up how many believers, but nevertheless, there have been. So the times have been sweet for us because um, we know how to do this. This is the, We haven't had to adjust. This is what we do. But the response has been amazing. And the, of course, the people who have enjoyed it the most are the people who are going out and doing it. And this has been every day for nearly a whole year. And Jackie, the, the, the Holy Spirit. Some people haven't really heard, maybe people listening to this who don't really know who the Holy Spirit is or never experienced the Holy Spirit. Can you explain who is the Holy Why is the Holy Spirit so important? People know about God the Father, they know about Jesus, but many people never really experienced the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the bit of God that Jesus promised would remind us of what, of, of what Jesus had said and fill us and be with us and help us how to speak and stay with us it, like, uh, like an engagement ring uh, until the marriage day. So the, the Holy Spirit's the, the, the down payment uh, of God until we get to be with him forever. So uh, it, it's the bit of God that makes him that makes us breathe life, that makes us alive, 
and makes us remember and refreshes us and uh, grows food. And supposing someone's watching today and they say, um, you know, maybe I, they haven't even heard very much about Jesus, but they, they're listening to you and they're saying, I'd love, as I, I can see what Jackie's got and I'd love to experience Jesus and I'd love to experience the Holy Spirit. How, how, what should they do right now? I could tell you uh, if that person were there because everyone's different. I, I, I don't have a formula for everyone. Like one person, Jesus said, sin no more. Another person, he said, you want to be made well. Everybody's different. There isn't a formula. But I, roughly, in answer to your question, it would be, it would be um, Jesus, I'm more or less willing to believe you're real. I'm more or less willing to believe that you are God's son. Please come and show me that you're real. And Holy Spirit, will you make this real in me because I want to live? I, I don't know if I've been living, but I want to live. And I, I believe that you have hope for the future. So please stay with me. And I would later on in a minute or two, uh, uh, because we talked about the Holy Spirit and we talked about Jesus say, you know, um, probably talk about Father God. Um, it, it's not that complicated. It's not that complicated, but there's a, there's a, there's a wistfulness in us that hopes, hopes this isn't all, hopes there's someone better. And Jesus said, I did come to bring you to a good father. So he will bring you to a good father, as Father God. Everybody would love you just to pray for whatever you feel is on God's heart for us today. Father God, I, I pray in the name of Jesus, your son. And I thank you, dear Jesus, that so somehow you and the father agreed that you would come to earth to show us what what God's love is like, and to lay down your life. And I want to give you now everything that I feel bad about myself. Mm -hmm. I, I, everything that hurts and everything, even where I've offended or hurt other people and done wrong. I, I don't want to live with this. And I've heard that you took that on yourself. So I give it to you and I thank you. Mm -hmm. I thank you that you died i don't understand all of that but i've also heard that you you've risen to new life and this new life i would love so i receive any forgiveness that's on offer and i receive all new life that you're giving and please on this earth while i've still got time on this earth will you use me to to help others a little bit so that at the end of my life on this earth, it's different because, because you've been in me. So please lead me on and help those people in my family and help my friends that I care about and I don't know how to help myself. I, 
I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And, and by the way, um, if you've never prayed that prayer before, um, there is a prayer language on offer. So go off to the bathroom and um, say, Jesus, I don't really know how to pray. Think about him for a minute and speak out some words and you will receive this gift. Brilliant. That is so brilliant. Jackie, we could listen to you all day and mm. all night. And I know there are so many more stories, um, so many more miracles. Uh, it, it's a bit like at the end of um, John's, the, gospel. John's Gospel, when he said if all the stories had been written down, it would take too many books. I think the same would be could be said of you and your the extraordinary life you've lived. Um, you inspire us. And thank you for helping yeah. us live, live a little better. <laughs>